I'm Amy Hall. I'm here with Greg Kokel, and you're listening to the Hashtag STRask podcast. Hello, Greg. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with a question from Kevin. Down to business. Yes. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> Kevin. I, I know what I like to listen to in podcasts, and I like it when people get down to business. So. Yeah, me too. So, which we just now have avoided because we're blither <laughs> blathering. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Okay. All right. Here's a question from Kevin. My former Muslim friend has heard the gospel but is unwilling to pay the price. He says, if Christianity is true, I could only follow secretly. How would you answer his statement, I'd rather not answer what you said on prophecy, as my philosophy in life is to love, help, and not discuss differences? Um, there's well, a lot there's there. A, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. Um, well, <laughs> he's already violated his philosophy on life if he's not going to discuss differences because he's now expressing his difference with the Christian and the Christian's viewpoint, all right? So um, the point, uh, I, I want to say something about philosophy of life here, but I'm not exactly sure how to put it. You want to make sure whatever philosophy you have for life, that is the principles that you choose to live by, are sound principles. They are wise, and in as, in as much as they touch uh, moral issues, uh, they are moral. And uh, of course, you can have other philosophies that are just for your personal preference, that's fine as long as your per personal preferences aren't unsound or immoral, all right? When I say unsound, that they don't trade on something or fly in the face of something that's true. The real question here is not what his philosophy of life happens to be, which he's actually just violated with the Christian by talking about differences, um, is uh, what really matters is what, um, what is true and right and good and finding that out. Now, apparently he's come to the conclusion that Islam is not true, all right? So he's abandoned that, former Muslim friend. And um, and then he's raising objections about Jesus, following Jesus, and what he's saying is, I can't follow Jesus because it's inconvenient. I mean, that's another way of talking about sacrifice, too much sacrifice, which I happen to agree with him. It does entail sacrifice, some more than others, especially someone coming from a Muslim culture is going to um, probably embrace, have to embrace more sacrifice uh, because there's such a radical difference between his culture, which is based in something false, and Christianity, which is grounded in something true, and for which there are long-term consequences. We're not just asking people to adopt a different frame of of uh, uh, frame of um, reference, or maybe that's not the best way to put it. A different philosophy of life. Well, here's your philosophy. Here's my philosophy. You should adopt mine rather than yours. Okay. I mean, in a certain sense, philosophies of life are are person specific. Okay. Now they ought to be governed, as I said, by those earlier things, by wisdom and morality, etc. Um, but. Um, but we're not asking for people to just change their flavor, to change their club, to change, you know, join our group. We're, we're asking people to embrace reality. And um, if reality is the way that Christians claim, that is, Jesus' understanding of the world is sound, well, then that's, that's a reality that he's going to have to face sooner or later. I remember my brother Mark telling me during those that time, that period of time, about a year, where he was talking to me about Christ before I became a Christian back in the early 70s. And at one point, Mark said to me, 
You know, Greg, the things that I'm telling you are true. Sooner or later, you're going to find this out. I just hope that when you do, it isn't too late. Now, I think he's right about that. And also, I was impressed because of the confidence that he um, expressed by talking to me in that way, graciously, directly, but confidently. And the truth isn't going to change, Greg, just because you want something different. Well, the same concept applies here. If Jesus is who he claimed to be, then this former Muslim is going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account for his life. That's when the books are going to be opened, and everything that he's ever done wrong is going to be written out there, and he's going to have to give an account for that, and that will not be a pretty picture. And he will be judged according to his deeds and found wanting, and then cast in the lake of fire. I mean, that's Revelations 20. It's pretty straightforward. That's the reality. Okay, and uh, that's the question he ought to be asking himself. What's actually true? Not what's going to be difficult for me in this life. Because if you take the easy way in this life, that's not the true way, then you're going to have a difficult way for the rest of eternity. And that's just the simple uh, calculus that people, I think, have to face. Now, of course, this all depends on whether or not Christianity is true which is why that kind of question ought to be the one that's asked. And so I'm not sure what his dismissal of the prophecy issue happens to be. Maybe Kevin was sharing some fulfilled prophecy or some prophetic element that ought to have been at least considered to persuade his former Muslim friend, and now his friend is brushing that off. Well, if you brush it off because it's not persuasive, okay, that's one thing. If you're brushing it off because you don't like where it leads because it's going to make things harder for you, okay, well, that's an entirely different matter. Because if we're talking about, well, look, if somebody, if somebody, parallel here, an analogy, if somebody is diagnosed with cancer and the doctor says, you got to get chemo, and the person says, chemo, are you kidding me? I'll lose my hair. I'll be barfing all the time. I'll lose weight. I can't do that. Okay, what's the alternative? You're going to die. That's the alternative. If the cancer diagnosis is a sound one, all right? And to me, that's analogous to what this individual, the former Muslim, seems to be doing, and it's analogous to what a lot of people seem to be doing. Oh, that's too much. That's too hard. I'm not going to go there. I, I, I want an easier way. Okay, great. You're going to get an easier way for a short period of time. And of course, if you have two different doctors offering two different uh, courses of action to combat the cancer, you're going to want to discuss the differences. That's right. Because you want to know which one is actually going to work, which one is true, which one is effective. That's right. That's right. So the analogy is even more appropriate than I thought. So I think that's what you're facing here. And what the Kevin, your Muslim friend, uh, I think needs to be challenged by is the question of truth here. We're not talking about flavors. We're not talking about, you know, preferences. We're not talking about clubs that you join and you're like one club rather than the other. We're not even talking really about a relativistic philosophy of life. What we're talking about is the way reality is structured. That's what we're talking about. And reality has a way of bruising people when they don't take it seriously. That's the cancer illustration, which is apropos to the salvation illustration. Find out what's true and then live according to that. Because if you don't, it's going to hurt you in the end. Mm -hmm. And of course, we don't need to downplay the reality that there will be a cost. Jesus said to count the cost. Jesus wanted people to be aware that Mm -hmm. there is a cost. So I don't 
you don't need to deny that this this will cost him, That's obviously. Right. Um, but even here, uh, the only cost here is that he, he would be following secretly. I'm not sure exactly. He's not even worried about persecution. He's just, like you said, it seems like he's worried about the inconvenience or maybe he's maybe there's something in there about persecution, too. But so I think I think you're right, Greg. The problem here is that he doesn't seem to care about truth or he doesn't know that the claims about spiritual reality are claims about truth. Mm -hmm. So maybe just a simple question you could ask is, is there any place in your philosophy for truth? You mentioned these other things, love, help. Is there a place for truth? Mm -hmm. Do you, does that truth matter to you? And if nothing else, you'll at least get them to start thinking about religion in a different way. Mm -hmm. And your analogies about cancer and not doing what you need to do because it's inconvenient, I think that's a great analogy. And that also might help him to understand, does he care about reality? Mm -hmm. That is, that's the question you want yeah. to get across. Uh, my suspicion is he's relativizing this issue. It's almost as if, okay, if you want me to join your club, there might be some benefits to it, but I'll have to do it secretly. And that's just really inconvenient, so I'm not going to join your club. <clears throat> Instead of asking the other question, is is what you're offering the truth or not? And by the way, I'm glad you mentioned about not being afraid of the cost. Um, this is something I think that Christians who focus, uh, I think, inordinately on the love of God as a technique of communicating the gospel. Uh, it's not wrong, uh, because the Scripture speaks of that, for God so loved the world that he gave, etc. But um, it might be surprising for people to realize that the word love doesn't appear anywhere in the book of Acts, which means the disciples, when they evangelized, these disciples who were trained by Jesus, when they were evangelized, they didn't focus in on that. And uh, I did a whole study of that in the book of Acts. You just go through every time the gospel is preached 13 times to individuals or groups and see what they said. And that's what I did. And so— Are you, uh, are you saying the word love isn't in the book at all or isn't in the sermons? It's not in the book. Okay. Look, You look up love in your concordance, you won't find any reference in the book of Acts. Okay, it's just not there. Now, it's manifest there, of course, in different ways, the love of God. But, but um, instead, there's an emphasis on the cost, okay, the cost of denying you know, and uh, the danger of, uh, of being in the wrong place before God and not covered by the forgiveness that Jesus provides. So there's certainly nothing wrong with us making that clear to other people. And here I was 50 years ago, Mark saying this thing to me, and I remember it to this day because it was so impactful. And now when I, you know, I give the close at our realities, I always make this point. In fact, I made that particular point to 3,000 or almost 4,000 young people in Minneapolis just a few weeks ago. I said, there's going to be a reckoning, okay? The things I'm saying are true. Sooner or later, you're going to know that. I hope that when you do, it won't be too late. We Pe let them know what the cost is. Peter talks about this idea so much in First Peter when he talks about how we will suffer with Christ now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a given. That's what we're supposed to expect, but we will also be glorified with him later. Mm -hmm. And if you reject that suffering now for glory now, then you will have suffering later. That's right. You're not going to avoid the suffering. There will be suffering either way. You either have it now or you have it later. Mm -hmm. And believe me, you want it now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let me just say also the glory you would have now cannot compare to the glory right. you will have later. That's but the right. same is true for the suffering. Yeah. 
Okay, let's go on to a question from James Karuga. Does Acts 17.23 imply that people who haven't heard the gospel by Christ's return or after their death will be judged differently? Let's say someone in remote jungles or Islamic countries but have a sense and reverence of God existing but not knowing Christ in the gospel. Well, let me read the passage. And uh, since the question, there's actually two questions here. One, does this verse intimate that? And the second one has to do with the larger question of those who haven't heard the gospel. So um, here's what the verse says, Acts 17, 23. And many people familiar with the book of Acts will recognize what this, this famous occasion, this verse introduces. It's Paul who's speaking here. And let me start in verse 22 just to set the stage, because that's the beginning of that pericope. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all aspects. For, and here's the verse in question, while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. All right. So the question here is, is there a suggestion in this passage that those who haven't heard the gospel um, will be judged in a different fashion than those who have heard the gospel? Um, Can they be saved by a different method if they're not within the reach of the gospel? Now, this question, uh, well, there's two questions, like I mentioned, and the larger question involves other theological elements. But let me just point out, with regards to this verse, this is an introduction of a talk that Paul gives to the philosophers there in Athens um, to correct their false thinking. If this was adequate, in other words, worshiping an unknown god who Paul is kind of using the phrase to leverage uh, a a proclamation of Christ, characteristic of the true God, Um, if that was all that's adequate, Paul would have ended his discussion at verse 24, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But he says, what you worship in ignorance, this is not a good thing, worshiping in ignorance. And by the way, I think he's giving them the benefit of the doubt, because when you're worshiping an unknown God, you're not directing it at anyone. In particular, they're just trying to cover their bases. They got gods to everything, but they figure maybe there's another god that I haven't covered yet, so we're just going to do the unknown god. So Paul leverages that and says, let me tell you about that unknown god. He's the real god, and he's going to judge everybody through a man named Jesus, who, through whom he's given um, proof by raising him from the dead. So he gives this great evangelistic sermon there because these people are not saved. They are, they are worshiping in ignorance. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 4, you must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So people who are worshiping in ignorance are lost, okay? And it, 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 even if they don't have the message of Jesus, they are still culpable, blameworthy, responsible before God for their sins. And I'm going to say something that's true and sound but is hard for many people's ears nowadays, even Christians, but you need to hear this. God does not owe anyone forgiveness. If people break God's law, wherever they happen to be, and they don't hear a message of forgiveness, they are still guilty before God. 
Now, whether they get the message of forgiveness, that's going to be God's business. And here in this particular case, he's arranged for Paul to come to this group and to speak the message of forgiveness, which some responded to. You also have something similar just a couple of chapters before in Acts chapter 15, where you have Cornelius, who is a Gentile, a God-fearer. In other words, he is he, he, he acknowledges the God of Israel. He's doing better than these, these Athenians are doing. And, um, and he's giving alms and prayers. He's, he's maintaining all kinds of this religious, um, uh, religious activity towards the true God as an outsider, as a Gentile. And, uh, and the text says, because he gets a visitation from an angel, your prayers have been heard before God. So this guy's got it better than everybody, the way it's described here. But it turns out it's not good enough, because part of the vision was that Peter would come to talk to them and give them the gospel, which they needed, because even with this great pedigree that's described in Acts chapter 10—I'm sorry, Acts 15—Cornelius and his kin are not saved. They need the gospel. So both of these passages ought to teach us— just the opposite, that it isn't that there's a separate way or God will judge them in a different fashion, uh, but that that they need the gospel to mm-hmm. be reconciled, to put their faith in. What must I do to be saved? Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So uh, this raises other issues, I realize, for people, and, and we have some teaching, uh, the I think it's called the, the heathen, heathen, yeah, heathen and the unknown god. I guess I gave that title before the word heathen was politically incorrect, but uh, nevertheless, there it is. And I talk about some of the issues that are involved here that we have to keep in balance. And one of them is God owes no one forgiveness; He only owes them justice. In chapter seventeen, verse thirty, it says, "Therefore, having overlooked the times." Of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world Mm -hmm. in righteousness. Mm -hmm. So he's calling all men to this. And one thing that James says here, um, will they— I'm sorry, the qu- the person who oh, asked the oh, question. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah, because you were just citing <laughs> the, from the not the biblical writer. You were just citing from the I was the, citing from Acts. the sermon itself that was preceded right. by this verse. Yes. Okay, so um, James asked the question that. is, will they be judged differently? And the answer is no. Everyone will be judged the same. And here's how they'll be judged. All you have to do is go to Revelation 20 to see that everyone's going to stand before the throne. The books will be opened. And another book is open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Mm -hmm. Everyone will be judged the same according to their deeds. And unless they're in the book of life, unless they've trusted in Jesus, they will be, they will pay the price of their sins. Mm -hmm. So this goes to what you were saying, Greg, about people, about God not owing people grace. That's what makes it grace. Right. Everyone will be judged by their deeds. Mm -hmm. If they have not been rescued by Christ, then they will pay for the justice themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. And incidentally, maybe just a postscript to this, um, 
in that talk that I give, I give some examples from um, Don Richardson, who wrote a book called Eternity in Their Hearts. He's a, a missionary, and he talks about all of these circumstances where you have people in these remote areas that genuinely seek the Lord, and God, God like moves moves uh, mountains to get the message to them in extraordinary ways. And so, what this shows is that those who are genuinely seeking the God in truth. God is going to get the message of salvation to them, and we have lots of examples. By the way, this is one of them in Athens. You know, they're Paul yeah. going to this remote area. He's not in Judea anymore. He's in Athens, and he's talking to all these philosophers, and some of them followed Paul after this message is given. Many rebuffed him, of course. They laughed. They said scornfully, mm-hmm. but uh, even so, some believed in God's faithfulness there. Well, thank you, Kevin and James. We appreciate you sending in your question, and if you have a question— you can send that on Twitter with the hashtag STRask, or you can go to our website at str.org. Just keep your question short, and we will consider it for the show. We this... can't guarantee your answers are going to be short, though, right? <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason.